and welcome to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. My name is Sally Nilsson and I'm a psychotherapist, published author, public speaker and mum. I discovered my autism and ADHD aged 56 in March 2021 and having rewritten my life story, I'm on a quest to advocate for neurodivergent community. I hope you enjoy listening to my incredible guests sharing their experiences of autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, Tourette's and OCD. We talk about growing up, education, work and personal stories and how mental health has played its part in shaping lives. Our conversations cover spectrums, traits, challenges, acceptance and successes. So sit back, relax and find out what it means to feel, think and be different in a neurotypical world. Hello, Tigger Pritchard and David Graham-Hammond, and I am absolutely thrilled to bits to have such awesome academy, extraordinarily brilliant um, chats on, on uh, the Neurodivergence and Mental Health podcast. You, you were delightful and let me come onto your podcast and I just follow you all around. If it's not TikTok, it's, it's Twitter, it's, it's everything else. So I'm just going to introduce Academy. This is coming from Sally's introduction, okay? So um, if I'm saying it completely wrong, then you'll just have to tell me, um, tell me that I've done it wrong. But I love Academy. Um, it's, it's wonderful. I had a look at it again earlier. You've got a, a wonderful merchandising um, bit. So there's T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies. And I especially like the not feline it which is just fantastic you've got the podcast which is amazing and you have really really good guests on the podcast uh obviously had me about titanic you've had forensic psychology how to write lord of the rings all sorts of wonderful things um you've had brilliant articles um and amazing live um streams you're on uh, Twitter and talk a lot about Spectrum 10, which I'm completely behind not doing not doing it. Um, and you're just great ad- advocates. So what I'd like to do to start with, um, and we'll have all the links for Academy so people know where to find you, your websites, Twitters and all the rest of it. It'll all be on the show notes. Um, I'll ask you to introduce yourselves. So it'll be your name, where you live, and your particular interest in neurodiversity. And um, what I'll do, Tigger, is I'll come back to you because we're going to talk about your journey um, in a slightly different way later on. So um, if you can just do this, Tigger first, then David, just introduce yourself, please. Well, hello, and, and thank you, thank you so much. It's really weird for once, because I'm used to being on screen with David, and David making sure that I keep on track, and I don't use smiling, and I don't go off on tangents, I don't get excited <laughs> about stuff. So I was like, oh, we'll see. oh, there's my boss in the other window, yeah? So look, hi everybody, and, and, and look, Sally, thank you so much. It was lush to have you on one of our podcasts, and it's great to be on yours. So, hi, Tigger, Tigger Pritchard, would you believe real name? I changed it legally, I think, 23 years ago. So it's wow. on the passport, wow. on the bank account, and all the rest of it, which is gorgeous. I am awesomely autistic. Um, we'll talk a bit more about that later on, I believe. Um, I am a freelance um advocate consultant and trainer I've had, I've had loads of years in 
in a professional aspect, working with neurodivergent individuals in like early years and residential and respite, and then college and education. And I went freelance in 2013. I am so lucky to do what I do, and I am so lucky to be part of Academy. I feel like I'm the old guy at Academy. I'm old, but I'm also young. <laughs> and, it comes to the and they've kind of took me under their wing and every so often awesomely educate me and put up with my strange videos. And I, and I love it. And I, and I just, I'm so proud to be a part of Academy and I am so lucky to learn from my fellow Academy awesome individuals. And Well, you're and I love brilliant. What I do. Where do you live, Tigger? I live way down in the depths of Cornwall. Whereabouts in Cornwall? Odmin, which is lush. So Bodmin. I love my Truro for donkey's years, but in the past three years in Bodmin. And, and and I used to travel a lot of country and do you know the conferences and training and all the rest of it. Now I'm like so many people, it's Zoom. Um, I've got some travelling stuff coming up, thankfully, but an awful lot of what I do is now in sitting is sitting in front of this desk, talk, see, um, educate, learn, consult, and so on. And I and I just I love it. I really love what I do. There's so much learning to be done. You but are it, a digger. You yeah. bounce around, and you're absolutely fantastic. I do. I do. I'm very Sorry. excited, and I. I love what you do too, and you are awesomely autistic. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna bounce, um, bounce down to my next Brady Bunch little window <laughs> that I've got here, which you can't see, um, listeners out there. To David Gray Hammond, introduce yourself, please. Oh, hello. Yay. As you know, I'm David Gray Hammond. Uh, I am also awesomely autistic. Uh, <laughs> Currently uh, exploring the possibility of being an ADHDer as well. Yay! Um, yes. I'm a recovering addict. Um, I'm in recovery from psychosis as well. Um, and that really uh, influences my focus in the neurodiversity community, neurodivergent community, I should say. Um, so I am an advocate, writer, and speaker on the topics of autistic mental health and addiction and well-being. Um, I also have a pretty healthy fixation on neuroqueer theory and neurocosmopolitanism at the moment. Yeah, I'm um, loving that. I've read a couple of your articles. Really love that. And uh, I'm also a professional working with neurodivergent young people aged 5 to 25 through a charity called Gecko Community. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that, right. And you're, the, the thing that I love about both of you is you're right in there. You are in there. You're, you know, you're so autistic. You're so awesome. And, and I just want, you know, got to be lots of links and we're going to talk about lots of things and we, you know, we've got lots of time, so we're going to enjoy this. Now I was whizzing around social media and I came up with these topics and I, you know, I really hope that you're happy with them. So uh, we're going to crack on. We're going to start on off with David. And uh, I'm on TikTok and I love TikTok. Oh, my God. What? Who gave me that blimmin' thing? Oh, for God's sake, honestly. Never mind. Anyway, so I put things on, then I delete them and then I take them off and I put them back on again. But um, I love yours. Um, I haven't seen... Tigger, are you on it? Are you on TikTok? No, okay. You two youngsters, just just leave me out. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm waiting on you. All right. Well, so I'm 56 for Christ's sake. Sorry, sorry, um, religion. Um, but I'm 56 and I absolutely love it because my ages are 8, 14, 24, 45, and 56. I change ages uh, when I feel like it, and I love TikTok. It's absolutely brilliant. And I have to say, um, David, you are brilliant on TikTok, and I've been watching your followers um, grow 
uh, grow and grow and grow. And this new look, just go for it, go for it, because uh, you can't see this, but David is there. He's got a, an amazing background, a really snazzy black shirt and a, a lovely sort of green top. And he's, he's had another buzz cut. He's got his earrings and his piercings. He looks absolutely amazing. So you're, um, you'll have to see him on TikTok and he'll put his link there. So anyway, serious stuff. Here we go. Now, um, you mentioned that you're a recovering addict. And um, as an undiagnosed autistic ADHD person myself, I was, I was addicted to alcohol and smoking for loads of years, 30 years. I gave up smoking um, in 2017 and drinking, but because of the ADHD, and I know it's related to dopamine and the transmitters, I absolutely know that that's what it is, because my mental health is actually quite good. But I, because uh, I can't smoke and drink when I have different, um, stresses in my life I'm now disordered eating and it's carbs and it's sugar um, and it's not very good and spending so it's not very good so can you tell us uh, we are going to talk about another one that, another thing about mental health with you David a bit later on but can you tell us about your addictions and whether you think it's poor mental health or your neurodivergence that makes you addicted or both so, I mean, with my addictions, it, it's difficult to, to know where to start. I guess the best place to start is that I am now six years sober. Um, wow, and, well uh, you know, well, I'll be six years sober in April. So almost there. That's amazing. Um, and uh, there really wasn't an awful lot that I wasn't addicted to in terms of substances. I, I was a what they call a polydrug user. Um, so I... I would use various different substances, although my substances of choice were generally opioids, benzodiazepines, spice, and alcohol. Yeah. Um, I also uh, had a, a bit of a taste for um, amphetamines and other stimulants, which probably relates to the, the whole ADHD thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Um it was definitely related to poor mental health, but that poor mental health was related to my neurodivergence. Now, okay. I wasn't, I didn't have poor mental health because I'm neurodivergent. I had poor mental health because society treats neurodivergent people so poorly. Um, you know, we are expected to pretend we're not neurodivergent. And I believe we might come on to this later. Um, but you know we're expected to be something we're not we live in a society that affords privilege to one specific neurocognitive style and that's neurotypicality um you know and if you don't fit into that very neat box of what society expects of you um you're marginalized and oppressed and eventually i through various traumas got to a point where I'd started hearing voices and experiencing psychosis and that was the breaking point and it was at that point that I started using substances and you know it it was really difficult because I I was scared to go to a doctor about my mental health because in my head you know I was like oh they're just gonna lock me away in a psych ward for the rest of my life um i didn't really realize for a number of years that my substance use was a problem and when i did realize i was scared to get help because i was like am i going to get in trouble with the law for this yeah, and, yeah. 
you know, and then there was all the fear of, you know, what's the damage I'm doing to my body? What's the, the risk of me not making it to 30 years old? And there were so many things going on with that, that it was, it was really difficult to access help. And then when I did access the help, I found out that help was not designed for people like me. Um, not at all. No. And I guess that's why I ended up doing what I do because I, I wanted to make a change for people. And so other people like me could not only hear that someone else like them exists, but have that person fighting in their corner. Um, so all in all, you know, it was a, it was definitely poor mental health, but it, it relates to the fact that I'm neurodivergent without being caused by the neurodivergence directly. I think, um, thank you so much for that, David. And I think that this is really important as a psychotherapist, you know, because I've got um, people coming through and I niche, I support clients who are neurodivergent now. And, you know, the thing about addiction or any, well, let, let's just stick with addiction. It's that validation and what you're doing on TikTok, what you're doing when you talk to people on the different platforms is you're listening and you're validating and you're saying, look, mate, I know what you mean and it is tough and it's awful tell me about it and that is such an important thing to have a platform and we do speak a different language we are a different culture we speak a different language and that's okay you know some neurotypical people speak pidgin neurodivergent and and thank you very much for giving it a go <laughs> quite frankly but you know your your work and what you do david is really really important and all i can say is i'm sending you through the airways every best wish and support for carrying on with your recovery and by helping others you are helping your you, you are helping yourself it, it it's absolutely doing that just you know do, do you think that that's right that by helping others you can help yourself I mean, truthfully, um, I always said that the secret to my recovery is altruism. So yeah. when, when I am struggling, when I am craving to, to go back to where I was, because the, the addicted brain constantly seeks to go back, no matter how bad it got, the addicted brain will always try and find ways to trick you into returning to that behavior. And when I'm struggling with that, I find the best way to tackle that is to reach out and help another person and yes. it's it's i guess i've always said it's almost uh like a selfish approach to altruism because i get good feelings off of helping another person which in turn helps me not go back to my active addiction days um and even if it is kind of a selfish motivation I'm just happy to be helping people. It's not selfish. It's brilliant. It's great. And, 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 I, and I do that and Tika does that. And a lot of people in our community, we, we do that. Part of my ADHD is rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. I can't say I hate criticism. I, I, I can take loads of criticism, but there's certain types of emotional criticism I can't stand and rejection. But one of that is I cannot stand the suffering of others, their injustice, injustice against them, their suffering. And that just means I have to help them. It's, it, it's just built into us, I think, that we, we're, we, we are compassionate, we're very empathic, and we have to help others. So, David, thank you so much for telling me that, um, you know, it means a lot. And 
and I hope people will will you know watch watch you on TikTok and hear your story in more detail. Tigger, you self-identify as um, autistic. Can you tell us a bit about your journey? Um, you know, just because it's always me, me, me. It's not. I just, I just like you know joining in. I decided to get a formal diagnosis because I'm a psychotherapist, and and I believe that I needed to do that within my you know within where I am in my field um, to help support my neurodivergent clients. But I'm very, very clear with all my clients that self-diagnosis is a hundred percent valid. Can you share your experiences with us, Tigger? Tell, tell us, you know, what happened to you and what you decided to do. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, and just, just really quickly, David's brain is gorgeous. His wealth of experience is incredible. The amount of work he does astounds me. His potential is just lush. And I <laughs> learn so much from what he writes. And I hope you don't mind me saying that, old chap. I know we work together as well, so to speak, and we're mates. But honestly, it's like... An article comes out and I'm like, wow, this is awesome stuff. So thank you, but, but, but here I am at the, the very young age of 56. Um, still bald. Yeah. It was early on. And, and so for me, it's, I think I've, I realized very, 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 very early on I was different. And I just felt different. I just smelled things differently. I just saw it. it was, I was just different. And I just took that as who I was. I just took it that, that some of us are different from everybody else. And I was very much um, at times a loner as a child. Um, you know, like most individuals that are different, school was extremely complex. I find it very difficult to fit in. Didn't like school at all. There's some awesome friends were made there, I must confess. And I was always searching for someone to be and something to do. And I, now I look back, it's a lot easier looking forward. It's really difficult, isn't it, from a young age? But now I look back, <laughs> I can see the times when I was modelling myself on somebody, when I was pretending to be somebody else, by what yeah. I would wear, what I would say, my actions. And, and I've done this for years. And, passing, and I think, passing, camouflaging, yeah, yeah, yeah. mimicking. And it was, just, and it was just, it's that continual growth. But what happened every so often was the things would come to a head with regard to my mental health issues, my anxiety levels, I would have an explosion. And I'd entered into a cycle of that happening. I also have what I call a Swiss cheese brain, which means... Oh, what's that? Pockets. Well, it's... it's I, um, I like, I like, there's, there's, there's a model out there, but a, a Swiss cheese model of the multiverse. But from my perspective, it's, it's, I have parts of my brain, parts of my memory, where they've just gone. Yeah. So I remember meeting people. I met somebody at a party once, and I worked with them uh, as part of a team. And I, I remember saying to my friend, whose birth whose birthday it was, I went, "Wow, that person knew a lot about me." And he went, "You worked with them for a year." I went, "Did I?" Yeah, you led the team. Like, <laughs> and I, I just said, "I'm sorry. Sorry, I have these blanks <laughs> in my brain and my life for whatever reasons they're there." Um, so, so the the the, the journey has been one of 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 misunderstanding, of difficulty, of stress, of anxiety of cyclic mental health issues and depression and some very dark moments where, you know, on a, a fairly cyclic, um, you know, um, attempts were taken and so on and so forth. Trigger warning there, my apologies. And it, 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 all, it all came to a head several years ago. I've worked with, 
with awesome autistic individuals for, for most of my career and yeah. felt like I fitted in there and felt like it smelt right. And I could see things that maybe other people couldn't see. I could work out how a classroom should be or how we should design something in a, you know, in, 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 in one of the houses I worked in or, or for, you know, care provision, stuff like that. Seventh, eighth, ninth senses. It's all that intuition and perception yeah. and everything, isn't it? And, it, and it, it all seemed to make sense to me, but, but I still felt wrong. I still felt wrong yeah. where I was. And every so often that wrongness would impose, you know, implode upon me. And I'd fall to pieces and, and regroup and reinvent myself again. So I've been, I mean, yeah. like changing the name, I've been really good at reinventing myself over the years, I think. Yeah, kind of psychotically as well. Don't think I'll reinvent myself again. Do we so all do that, to... though, that reinvention? Because although I haven't looked different, I've, you know, I've had 25 jobs and they've been really, really different. And that is reinvention. Is it because yeah. um, if we've got, a, you're sounding quite ADHD, if you don't mind saying, um, it, it's this ideas, it's these constant ideas and amazing creativity isn't it it is it's this burst of energy isn't it? it's that and, and you're not the first to mention adhd and it's that burst of i've got to do this i've got to do that and off i go i'm like the re the reinvention of what i'm going to wear so i've got i'll go through cycles i'm going to wear this now i'm going to wear that now and and like i'm going to wear the hat which i've actually worn for years now and stuff and so on but it it, it, it just it all came to a head and it's like i did a video about it um in a back garden um, during the first lockdown with my partner, I could not fit in. I was so anxious and I just felt so wrong. And then all of a sudden, an inner voice said to me, you're autistic. And like so many people say, I just, everything made sense. And I then, because of this Swiss cheese universe of mine, I've spoken to people in the past and they've all gone, you spoke about that 20 years ago. Don't you remember? I've gone, no, I don't. Wow. I don't remember it. So I spoke to various people I've known over years and they went, yep, we spoke about it. Or yes, we knew you were different. Or quite a lot of people went, yeah, we knew you were autistic, didn't you? And I they went, used no. to call me Mad Sally. They, they always called me Mad Sally, but they didn't have a clue. I, I, remember, I remember meeting, um, I do a lot in the, well, I try and do a lot in the pathological mad boys world. And I did a conference down here and um, Harry Thompson came down and he was a conference speaker along with, with Sally Cat and great conference and we went for like coffee and, and a little meal afterwards and just at the door of this restaurant he turned to me and he went Tigger you're autistic and I went no I'm just Tigger and, I, and his response in his mind I've learned since was pretty Harryish, which was full of expletives and god you're autistic AF mate that was going through his head yeah can I just, just say while you're saying that, that, that um, I have to do this because this is my ADHD mind and also because yep. you speak quite quickly, if you say I something really that. interesting, I'm going to pounce. Uh, I'm going to tigger you back, Tigger. So pathological demand avoidance is, you know, it, it's common. It, it's common in autism. And Harry Thompson is kind of, I don't know, Sally, but Harry Thompson is very big in um, PDA um, and there's previous podcasts so that we've got a lot of material on PDA. Please carry on, Tigger. Oh, no, that's okay. That's cool. Uh, it's quite a passion of mine. But it was, it was just yet another person looking at me and going, how come you don't know? Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. just didn't. But thank God that that realisation came. And since then, which is why sometimes I feel like the oldest person in Academy, and yet the youngest person as well, because I feel like the likes of you know, Chloe and David and others kind of like drag me along and educate me and show me, um, even in my ripe old years, because I still feel so young in thought processes and understanding and exploring, even though I, I know it all. I've read the stuff. I've met so many people and learned some incredible greats. 
now I know it's me. And it's, it's, and thank God I do. Thank the universes I do at last because it has made sense of everything in my life. And it, it's, it's actually, it's a double-edged sword in some ways. It's, it's, it's taken a lot of anxiety and stress off my shoulders. It's also placed a lot on top, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah it does. But it's, it, on the whole, it's made such an incredible positive difference to my life so i self-identify as also the autistic and yeah there may well be some adhd in there as well um and i self-identify because at this moment in time all i keep meeting the vast majority of some professionals that i meet actually have no idea what it means to be autistic they have very outdated um understanding through no fault of their own in some ways they're just given courses and they don't realize how bad the courses are etc and so I have a, for some individuals, I mean, I have possibly a mistrust of how they view what it means to be autistic. Um, some professionals I know are amazing, awesome, superb, and lush, absolutely superb. Some professionals I meet, it's that continual battle of you don't, you don't understand, you don't get it at all. And, you know, you need to relearn and listen to that gorgeous autistic community that's out there, go on some academy stuff. Um, but it's been, and it's, it's, I'm just so, I am so glad, I am so glad it's been a long journey. But I am so glad at the moment I can stand up and know where I belong. And it feels so right, because it is. And also to be with my neurokin. And that, from my mental health viewpoint, is one of the best things that have ever happened. It is lush, awesome, superb, gorgeous, and wicked beyond belief. Brilliant. And at so that good. point, cousin, cousin Tigger, because I'm in your neurokin as well. Um, I just want to slip something in there because it, 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 it relates to what you're saying. You know, earlier I was just saying I'm 8, 14, 24, 45 and 56. Um, I had a really, really interesting um, uh, podcast guest and I can't remember which one it was now, talking about age. And as an adhd -er, there is this really big thing, and I think it's autistic as well, is that we swap and change age some you know so it's to do with our physical side it's to do with hormones it's to do with our mental side and everything and we are different ages so as far as we're concerned in our neurotype um we can look old we can have lines on our faces we can have gray hair lose our hair get fat do all those things but in our heads we can be really really young and that's so blimmin brilliant so we can just well, jump it's, it's about cool, being it's young rough. until we're 95 so what do you do for that? And on that note, I'm going to um, whiz on to this one, which I not spend too much time on this one, but just a quick, uh, a quick one for both of you. And first of all, um, it's let's do Tigger for this one as well. Tigger, can you just share with us? Um, and this is just a couple of minutes, if that's okay. Can you share with us some um, some of the people you've come across in your life who have had the most positive influence on you? Well, at the moment, only because last night when I couldn't sleep, I decided to go on Facebook and hunt down my old school and go through all of the um, chats upon there. I came across two teachers were talked about and I realised and thought how much, because at, at that age, when I was at secondary school, life was agony. Life was hell. Uh, life was just horrible. Some great mates there, but I, school life was just bleh. But there were two teachers in my younger years, so one in junior, one in secondary. And there was a Mr. Morris and a Mr. Slavinsky. And, I, I, and at the moment, they're round my head because they believed in me. They yeah. gave me a voice. Yeah. They supported me and accepted me for who I am. So 
if you'd asked me this question tomorrow, I'll have some other names there. But just because of last night, I suddenly remembered how I would look forward to their lessons. Though Mr. Siminski was maths, and I can't do maths for love of money, even though I'm like a closet astronomer. Um, but it was just the memories I have of those individuals accepting me for who I was. Uh, I, my, first, my first ever public talk, would you believe, in school, I took in a, an Airfix model of the Apollo Saturn V rocket, and I, I spoke to my class about how all of it is wasted, apart from one little bit that comes back to Earth, which is the command module. Yeah, that's my first ever public talk. Now I do it for a living, and and I think to myself, wow, my public talk history lies with Mr. Morris Twin. Would you like to do a talk? I went, yes. I don't know how old I was. Eleven, twelve, maybe ten, eleven. 12. I think it's absolutely amazing when we can we can have teach. You know, I I love the fact, and, and I've just had a client who's who's gone through something similar. When we can have a teacher, or we can have somebody in our lives who you know, they're mentoring and they're coaching and they've done something so special. Have you got anyone else apart from the teachers, Tigger, before I ask David the same question? Well, I know it sounds really funny, but <laughs> they're not human beings, but they're dogs. And over oh, my years, not? I know it sounds really funny, but over my years, certain dogs have been there and the support, um, the understanding and the safety they've given me has been huge. So I know it sounds really funny, but my, my okay. first dog was called Gellert, and, yeah. and he was just yeah. incredible. And, and, you know, the communication with him was easy because he was a dog, and we just got yeah. on so well. And there's Mrs. Pebbles, of course, at the moment, Bluey. Um, so I know it sounds really funny, but when, when the influence is, they gave me the ability to go out sometimes when I couldn't go out. They gave me the ability to meet people when I couldn't meet people. They gave me a, a, an ability to be socially active when I couldn't. That and, and quite a few other awesome dogs over the years have been incredible. And the odd horse. And the um, thing is, is that if you, with, um, I, I mean, my model of therapy is called Human Givens, and it's all about um, getting your emotional needs met in balance. And one of them is intimacy. It's not about sex, but it's having one other person who gets you 100% and doesn't judge you. And pets do that in buckets. They really do. So um, so what I'm going to do, actually, is I'm just going to swap things around a little bit, if that's okay. Um, because uh, we've spoke, I, I'm just seeing the shape of the podcast, and I've seen we've spoken quite a lot, Digger, and I just want to make sure that we both get the same thing. So what I'm going to do is, um, if it's all right, David, I'm going to ask you about the people in your life that have influenced you. But then, David, I want to ask you about your psychotic journey. And then we're going to come back to the one I was going to ask you before. Is that okay? Everybody? Yeah, that's fine. Good. All right. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, David, can you share with us the people that um, have come across your life? Who have you had the most positive influence on you, please? It's difficult to know where to start because honestly, I'm very privileged to have a, a lot of people who've had very positive impacts on me. There's been a lot of negative impacts on me, but I've had some wonderful people in my life. And straight off the top of my head, the first three people that come to mind is my mother, Betsy, my sister, Amber, and my fiance, Victoria. Those three people keep me rooted to they're the center of my universe really um and there's i've got two very very good friends in particular i mean i have several several close friends but two people in particular that that have been there for me through everything is um i call them my they're my two best friends uh jay and jt um they are exceptional human beings um and uh they they do an awful lot 
to support me. Um, and then there's people who I met when I entered the autistic community. And uh, first of all, there was um, Tara, the CEO of Neuroclastic, who took me in and taught me effectively how to part participate in the community um you know uh well via was, social media what do you mean by that um she she showed me how to actually use social media to spread a message yeah um and it was something i was an absolute novice at and uh tara vance showed me well she built neuroclastic from the ground up so you know there couldn't have been a better mentor Stick I should... her link in um in the notes just can i just say that there because anything that's really useful for our community and can help other people yeah it's worth a link Carry i should mention link. i should mention i wouldn't be part of this community if emma dalmain hadn't found my writing online um and uh invited me into one of her facebook groups um and then there's chloe um from oh, I keep, academy she keeps popping up and she's yeah, amazing dr chloe farahart she she brought me into academy and academy has done so much for me um you know it's people, amazing people have actually heard my story and heard my message and academy has played a huge role in that and of course whilst i'm mentioning academy i've got to mention tigger um, good old Tigger because Aww. you know we do the podcast together and it's one of the it's one of my favorite things that He's I blushing. do um, and that podcast would not be half as good as it is without Tigger um, and uh, then yeah uh, there's all the people at Gecko um, you know uh, where I where I work professionally yeah. um, you know they they've given me a lot of confidence in the short time I've been there. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm very privileged. That's not everyone and the people I've missed out. If you're listening to this, please don't think it was a favoritism <laughs> thing, but I'm aware I only have a couple of minutes to fit people in. But um, that is so wonderful. And, you know, a lot of people can say, you know, I've only, I can only count the people on, you know, you know, less than five of one hand. And the thing is, is that I'd like to, I'm not going to go into a big list, you know, I feel all, all um, the, the Brit Awards or, or the Academies or something. But, but the thing is, is that I've got, you know, maybe four or five really good friends who I absolutely love. But I've got to say that March 2021, when I was, um, had my assessment and diagnosis, the people that I've met since I've realised that I'm autistic and ADHD, I've made some amazing friends and, and podcast guests. I'm seeing one at a Lego convention and I'm meeting another one in Brighton. I'm actually getting to meet people face to face and, and this is going to carry on and, I, and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you very much for telling me that, David. And I'm, I'm going to stay with you, David, and then I'm going to ask Tigger about mental health as well after this question, David. So, David, you know, you talked about this. I saw this on TikTok and it really struck a chord with me a lot. So I wanted to ask you about it. You talked about when you were psychotic um, and the doctors treating you, you know, they said you're ill. Um, and, you know, I've got a special interest within my work about chronic stress and um, complex PTSD for our neuro tribe. And you said it was society who was uh, treating you like a broken neurotypical instead of an authentic autistic person. I mean, I just thought that was incredible. And, um, you know, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that in more detail, David? So 
I wasn't diagnosed autistic until I was 26 years old. And I spent those 26 years being treated like the words I heard the most were David is not achieving his full potential. Um, And uh, what they actually meant by that is David should be behaving neurotypically, but he's not. And therefore we're going to judge his potential based on that. Um, And that really was a theme for my life, like teachers, professionals, um, it didn't matter how many times my mom was there going, but he's autistic. Um, no one listened. Um, and so I was expected to feign neurotypicality my whole life and put up with the injustices, the oppression, the marginalization that autistic people face simply by existing in a neurotypical society. And, you know, as I said earlier, there were some other traumas that were less related to being autistic. Um, but I won't go into those because they're very triggering and perhaps a little too heavy for the time we've got. But all in all, it all sort of came together that this society that expects us to be something we're not, um, it, it led to me developing some very serious mental health issues. And in in that, I, I became psychotic. Um, you know, I, I had a, a huge psychotic episode. Um, I've done, you know, I've been in the psych ward twice and the, the approach they took was that, well, you know, you're not typical of what we'd expect and, you know, you're obviously very ill and we'll throw medication at you and don't get me wrong, medication has helped a lot. But my point with what I was saying is that actually, um, it, it's not necessarily fair to just tell someone they're ill what you've got to acknowledge is that the society we live in is the thing that is broken at the moment it is full of injustice it is full of marginalization of lots of different um you know uh minority groups and uh you know i think it says a lot about why people from minority groups are more likely to have mental health concerns than those in the majority um and so yeah when I said you know they treated me as a broken neurotypical instead of an authentic autistic person what I really was referencing was the fact that society itself needs to change um and this kind of gets into my interest in things like neurocosmopolitanism because in a neurocosmopolitan society no one neurological type um would be given privilege we would all be treated equally it would be it would be a society where you don't necessarily have to say oh well they're neurotypical and they're autistic and they're adhd because in that society everyone is treated equally it doesn't matter how you approach life how you experience life you know, it's a world in which we can exist side by side. Amen. Here, and here. no one be considered broken or deficient or impaired. Yeah. Um, and when I talk about wanting to be an authentic autistic, that is the world I'm thinking of. That's incredible. That, is, uh, that and and yes, and I I I do agree. I've had this conversation recently a couple of times. Again, because I'm a newbie, I've had all this terminology, elixithemia, interoception, autistic, neurodivergent, dis this, disabled, you know, um, everything, just all the words, all the terminology. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have any of the words? It was just an acceptance 
of people and we're all equal but we've got one hell of a long way to go for that but i wanted to just say um and ask you what you think about this david um as a psychotherapist i've done quite a lot of work with chronic stress and i am very interested in chronic stress and as a human givens practitioner we do a lot of work around sleep and the rem state and i um have an opinion it's not really a theory but it's you know quite a lot of research as well what happens is during any typical day, we have emotional arousals and they layer up and they layer up and at night we dream them out. When we're, um, because of the society and, and how we live and what we have to go through, as neurodivergence, we have so many stresses and traumas and difficult things we have to negotiate. We have a lot more emotional arousals all day long. And at night, we can often dream so much that we might not remember. We might dream like, um, sleep like the dead, but we wake up exhausted. But what can happen is that we've dreamt so much, it's almost like the dreams suddenly become reality in the daytime. It's like we're, and that becomes psychosis because it's chronic stress, it never ends. It goes on and on and on, and it goes into your dream state and comes out in the daytime and becomes voices and, and all terrible things like that. And sometimes if you treat mental health psych, uh, psychosis with psychotic medicine, it might not necessarily work if it is in fact chronic stress that's led to the psychosis. What do you think about that, David? I think this is why it's really important for anyone experiencing um, psychotic phenomenon uh, uh, to, to approach professional help because there are so many different causes. Like people hear that, you know, people hear that I'm a voice hearer, that I see things that aren't there, that I suffer delusions, and they go, so you're schizophrenic. And I go, well, that's probably the closest description of, of my, um, my experiences. But actually, I don't have a formal diagnosis of that um you know um and uh, the, the 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 causes behind psychosis we know there's a link with trauma we know there's links with brain injury we know there's links with depression and anxiety but there are so many different things that can lead to being psychotic and i think it's important that especially if you're neurodivergent and experiencing psychosis you need a professional who understands the neurodivergent experience because you're going to have a different presentation a different reaction a different experience to that of a another neurocognitive style experiencing psychosis and um yeah it's 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 a really complicated matter you know for for me there's definitely something to be said for what you said because um for example i i experience exposure anxiety and for me when i became psychotic my brain ran with that and it became and trigger warning here i'm going to discuss some of my delusions that i've had it became a delusion that um i had microchips implanted in me that were broadcasting my thoughts and uh when I was in the psych ward, I thought there were listening devices in the smoke alarms. And I literally, I've just done a TikTok video, a kind of a, a mildly dark, com comical one yeah. about it. Yeah. Because, you know, after a month of telling them about that, they came to me and said, we think you might have anxiety. Yeah. Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, 
yeah you know um i i think for me anyway what psychosis was very much a a manifestation an extreme manifestation of the various worries concerns anxieties and traumas i had experienced and my brain created a mutually compatible reality one that was much simpler to understand and and process than what was actually going on in my head because it was much easier for me to say i'm part of a conspiracy someone's doing this to me than to go well actually i live in a society that has marginalized me that has pushed me down that has mistreated me trying to wrap your head around all that especially when you're in your you know it, my psychosis first started in my late teens i was not in a place to process the the reality of how i'd got to the place i was in so my brain over the years from when it started started to construct a reality that was much easier to understand um than what had actually gone on but by looking at that reality my brain created it was possible to work backwards and see the origins of where it all came from but you know i mean that that is very 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 fascinating and i'm sure that there are so many experts that are you know sort of coming into this area um of psychology psychiatries um psychotherapy um i have clients coming to see me and um you know and they're absolutely amazing autistic clients with disassociative identity disorder which used to be called split personality and it's quite common in autism and it's it can come out of trauma and what's so incredible about did is that people who come out of trauma especially with um uh, especially who are autistic they develop alters they develop characters within themselves who all have a part to play in protecting them talking to them sometimes telling them off sometimes bullying them i also work with clients who have um, ocd and a particular type of ocd called puro which um, is you know telling somebody to do something really extraordinarily unbelievable like you know you can't pass a knife without wanting to pick it up and you know do something terrible with it or you can't leave the house and go in the car because you think you've run someone over so i can see how these sort of things can look like uh, psychosis but we need to be able to be very open as to what it is instead of saying right psychosis strap him up put him in a padded cell and give him a load of drugs so um david thank you for telling me that i'm just keeping an eye on time we've got plenty of it but we've got lots to do as well and i'm just going to move on to um tigger and and just really to ask you um, if you've got anything to say of what um, David was just saying, but also really to just ask you what was your biggest mental health challenge you know that you've gone through and how did you overcome it? Well, regards to the first question, David, listen, there are a lot of professionals out there that could really do with his mind, that can really do with his input because our us neurokin we are so misunderstood by so many aspects of society that the trauma that then places upon us is huge i can listen to david for decades um and and, and i and we've had this discussion ourselves privately I, I i feel so strongly that so many of our neurokin over the decades and many have been uh, are misunderstood are, are shoved into boxes are asked to be something they're not which is which i think is one of my biggest issues and 
and the damage is intensely huge. And it's realizing that professionals out there, some professionals, some are awesome, a lot of professionals out there have to rethink um, what it means to be, what it is to be autistic, to be, to be neurodivergent and so on. And to really think, whoa, you know, we've got to redesign our approaches. We've got to understand we need so many more professionals out there uh, to be taken seriously that are autistic because some aren't. And, and that would be just, just so, so important. So what happened to you and, and how did you mend? Tigas, you specifically, what happened to you? What was your biggest mental health challenge and how did you overcome it? There was part of it, I think, part of it, I was, I mean, because I'm reflecting upon a little bit of what, upon what David said. I'm going go back to the first bit of my mind as well, thinking I just said to people, I too could have said a wealth of individuals that have helped me over the years. I was focused upon those two because of where I went last night when I couldn't sleep. Uh, so I often do sometimes on YouTube and other places. But, uh, but reflecting upon what David said a little bit, I think my biggest mental health challenge is not being able to be me. Yeah. So not being able to be awesomely authentic Tigger. Um, if I can call it a mental health challenge. It, it, the thing that's impacted most, I think, upon my life is that, A, I didn't know who I was because I didn't fit in. Yeah. And because yeah. of that, I'm not knowing about my neurokin and so on and so forth. And, and not realising why I felt so different to people around me, the trauma of trying to be somebody I'm not, of trying to fit into a society that is only made for one aspect of humanity to a certain degree and not for all, it's, I mean, you know, the, the, the aspects of masking, so on and so forth, they are, you know, they're, they're very much a part of who I am. I'm exploring them, I'm discovering about them. I'm thinking, when do I mask, when do I not mask? Is it okay to mask? Is it okay to mask? You know, sometimes I'm quite happy to just stick the mask on because yeah. at that point that I'm in, I need it. Because yes. I, yeah. I can't be all autistic in front of people. I wear a long way before we can do that. And I don't mind that. Sometimes I do mask. But please carry on, Tigger. Well, I think it's, it's like, like when it sounds really funny, but the, the, some, of the, some, some, of the, some of the some of the times where I felt most safe have been with animals because I can just be me and do the things I love to do. I'm lucky over the decades to have had an incredible core of awesome individuals around me. I have a gorgeous daughter, I must confess to, who has, even though indirectly, has done so much for me from a, from a mental health viewpoint and from a, an awesome autistic viewpoint as well. But I think it, it goes back to, you know, biggest mental health challenge, if I can call it that, it's that I didn't know who I was and I wasn't allowed to be and still am not in so many environments, not allowed to be who I am. And that I'm exploring and discovering more about in my young autistic years and, and have a, a long way to go. But thank God I have my neurokin around me and their knowledge and their support to give me ideas and strategies and, and ways out and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, all I can think of is, it's the whole of my life I didn't feel right. Do you, feel right, that, do you feel right now? Do you feel right now? God, yeah. There are, there are occasions, yes, I do. Oh, my God, yes, there are occasions, yes, I do. Right, I, it just, the whole world smells bloody awesome. That's Excellent, how I Excellent, and I love that. Just right. And talking about smell, <laughs> I am, I'm very olfactory, olfactory style, they call me. Yeah, me too. It's all about the smell. And um, so we're going to talk about um, coffee a little bit, Tigger, because... I, and I, I know that, um, follow, uh, follow David on TikTok because he talks about coffee, but we're going to run out of time if I do 
uh, coffee and David. So you have to find him on TikTok <laughs> for that. But Tigger, I just want to say, you know, coffee, because of my ADHD, funnily enough, it, it, everybody needs it. It's the, the non-medicalized stimulant that lots of ADHD people find fantastic. But coffee actually makes me want to go to sleep. If you gave me coffee, I would, I'd want to go to sleep. But um, it has a paradoxical effect that if I drink coffee after lunchtime, I have terrible quality sleep at night and I'm a sleep advocate. So coffee is something I enjoy to drink as a drink rather than vodka. Um, but you, um, Tigger, you've got all sorts of machines and, and wonderful equipment and lovely cups and sauces and wonderful, wonderful things. Please give us five minutes, five, ten minutes talking Maybe Ooh. five minutes, because I've got a big question to ask you, and we'll run out of time. <laughs> Talk to us about coffee for a bit. Okay, well, my, my parents, Welsh, very, very traditional. Coffee never existed, as far as I can remember, in our household. And I knew a gorgeous Scandinavian family early on, and they introduced me to coffee, as then did my brother, because he was, he was older and awesome. And then, really, it, it, it kind of stemmed from there. It was something new, it was something amazing. And then over the years... I've suddenly, there's, there's something about the whole thing of having a coffee, which to me is professional. I've got um, various areas called the Autistic Coffee Shop, and, and that came from my gorgeous partner who went, I was trying to redesign my social media presence about four or five years ago. And she went, um, hey, whenever you go for coffee, whenever you're having a coffee, it's always something to do with talking to somebody about autism. And you know, being autistic and so on. And I went, is it? And she went, yeah, it is. Trust me. <laughs> and so she went, why don't you call it? Start calling it the autistic coffee shop. And I went, oh, okay. I'd love one day to have inclusive, gorgeous coffee shops somewhere. Now that would be a dream. Yeah. So coffee. I there's something about it's a routine. It's structured. It's a beginning, middle, and end. I can hyper focus on it, which I have done during lockdown a lot. And to me, it's my own little universe where. I can just be totally me and it's the whole thing around the tactile, the smell. I am now at the point where I am, <clears throat> you know, one of my daily routines is watching videos on making expresses with a Gaggio coffee machine, uh, Gaggio classic, I must confess. And I could reel off to you numbers. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I sometimes tell people I'm not a proper bloke because I can't drive and I don't like mechanics and stuff, but I've, I've started to take apart a coffee machine and tweak it and add things to it. I never thought I'd do something like that. The whole thing brings me a, a um, um, Moments of peace, moments of clarity, moments of focus, something to look forward to. It is definitely part of my daily routine. And if I don't have it as part of my daily routine, I have problems. You can always tell when I'm sick and I'm really sick because I want to have a coffee. And that's one of the, the, the measuring standards that my, my, fam, my partner has at the moment, which is, do you want a coffee? God, no, I don't. Oh, my, you must be ill. Yeah. And, you know, it's like that's one of the things. There's something not right with you because you won't drink a coffee. I can drink coffee any time of the day. Yeah. And actually, if you want to know more about coffee, uh, listeners, then please go on to the Academy um, Facebook or website because there's some great podcasts on there and there's a really big thing about coffee and you can actually see Tigger's equipment and his, his lovely cups and saucers and talk all about coffee and it's wonderful. Now, look, I'm, gonna, um, I'm just having a look at this because you have both uh, wonderfully, awesomely, as you love to say, awesomely spoken about this within the podcast which is great but I just want to narrow it down um, as we come almost to the end of our fantastic time together to ask this question of both of you and 
can we please try and be a little bit succinct just to get it that the, the most important message and this is the question I ask all my guests. I'm going to ask David first, and then I'm going to ask Tigger. And after that, I will wish you farewell and thank you very much. And I'll get the links and they'll go on the show notes. This is the question. Um, and just give yourselves a couple of minutes each, if you would. Um, so how would you like to see positive change at home, at school, and in the workplace to help all neurodivergent people be included and respected as valuable members of society? David first. I mean, um, there's a lot I could say on this, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, <clears throat> I guess, fundamentally, I would like to see a world where um, being autistic and neurodivergent is not treated as a medical issue. I would like to live in a society where you are not put in a position where it's like, well, you better go get a diagnosis because it... It, it fundamentally undermines what the neurodiversity movement is doing. We're, try, it's, it, we're trying to show that actually it's natural diversity of minds, and that is a beautiful thing. But yes. instead, we live in a world where it's like, well, if you're anything other than neurotypical, we're going to treat it as a medical issue, and you're going to have to get a diagnosis. I always joke that my, my diagnosis is my license to be autistic. <laughs> um, because, because so many people are like, well, you don't have a formal diagnosis. It's like, no, but it, it's, it's just a natural variation. Like, yeah, and, yeah okay, it, it comes with a level of disability um, for, you know, of varying levels of disability. It's a very dynamic thing. But I would like to live in a world where you're, you're not made to go and get that diagnosis, you know, where, where you can go, actually, I'm, I'm David and I am awesomely authentically amazingly autistic and people go oh, all right cool yeah I'm, I'm i'm steve and i'm neurotypical you know do you want to go get a coffee and uh yes. you know that that would be great you know um and i think if you could apply that to home school workplace it, it would improve people's lives so much you know no one is treated with privilege no one is marginalized no one is oppressed I, this is very um utopian thinking but also i think it's the world we should be aiming for um and yeah you know i do know and and i mean you've said it very succinctly which is exactly what i asked for and you know, for goodness sake, it's it's not like watching an old B-movie in the 1970s. It's not rocket science. We can do this, but it takes a lot of us. We don't have to be pitchforks at dawn. I say this every single time. We don't need to get angry and shout and scream. We just say, this is how you do it. And off we go. And thank you so much for that, David. And Tigger, please, can you give us your one? Do you want me to say it again? Or do you know, do you know no, what? No, no, I think I've got it. I mean, first of all, I'm following the brain, which is which is David, which is <laughs> like his words are just lush and so powerful. And what I do, all I do is I come across people in pain, parents, individuals, because of that that presence of you should be something you're not, or our way is the right way, your way isn't the right way, you are wrong, so on and so forth. I think really quickly I'll 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 paraphrase, I think is it Luke Ben who says something about um being autistic is not necessarily disabling um it, it, it is a disadvantage in some ways because of where we live but is that disadvantage a result of us being 
autistic or is it a result of being in a certain environment? I strongly believe it's that environment and that environment is what's forced upon us. And that environment is, is understanding, knowledge, training, medical model, and the list goes on forever. So if we could just change our environment in all its guises, not just the buildings we're in, but the societal attitudes, the, the forever pushing somebody who's different, whatever that means from your typical person, into that box, the difference it would make in stress, in anxiety, in bringing this together as a, as a planet, as a whole, awesome diverse species would be gorgeous. And to me, it all boils down to, you know, listening, understanding, communicating, an awful lot of it boils down to of getting rid of the education system out there that teaches so many individuals, in the first instance, parents and a lot of professionals and so on, that being autistic is wrong. Being autistic means you're shoved into a medical model. So getting rid of that would make a huge difference to society, but to opinions and to how people view us and, and to have that. Is it, what, what was it Chloe has, David? Is it uh, Autopia? Yeah, Autopia. Oh, I yeah, love Autopia. that. I absolutely right, now, that no, is cool, right? So that idea of Autopia, the idea where we just we just accepted for who we are as gorgeous, wonderful, you know, Homo sapiens sapiens. I think that's the, the correct term, but yeah, that's that's. I think that's marvellous. And you were saying something earlier, and I'm going to put this in because it's in, it's become an, a headworm, and it has to come out because I can't have things in my mouth; they have to come out if I think them. Thank you so much for that, Digger and David, and and. Uh, and I'll say thank you and links and everything in the show notes. But uh, you were saying before, Tigger, that you're 56. And um, I'm 56 and I'm 57 in March. But I don't like 57 because it's two odd numbers. So I've decided that I'm going to be 58 for two years and then 60 um, because I'm not going to be 59 because that's horrific. Um, and a neurotypical person wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, I, love, I love even numbers. So I just want to say... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Tigger Pritchard and David Gray Hammond. Please, um, I will send you a separate email. I want all your links to everything that you want people to see to find out more about you. Um, and I've loved having you on the on the Neurodivergence and Mental Health podcast. Thank you very much. It, it has been thank lush. You. Thank you. It's it's been great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And you're Ooh. both very welcome. Love you lots. See you in the ether. See you on a zoomy woomy, and uh, and I might be a froomy soon because I'm trying to head to Somerset at the moment. I live in Rygate, but I'm hoping to become a froomy, so I'll be a zoomy froomy. And um, anyway, you take care. Have a great 2022, and I'll see you on the airways. Bye, chaps. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. Links and resources will be at the end in the show notes. I very much look forward to meeting you again. Thanks for listening. Bye.